Welcome back to Trends in Low Places, a comedic exploration of the dumbest stories of the day. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Cushing. And I am the Hans to his Franz, Michael Howard. And we are here to pump you up. Man, we nailed that <laughs> one, huh? Yeah, you got it this time. I got it. I got it. I almost said, I'm good enough, smart enough. <laughs> gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. People like it. Well, me. Michael, gosh, I almost don't even know where to begin today. Um, it's been quite you know, a week. It's been quite the week, quite the weekend, quite the Monday. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be May. It's gonna be Yeah. Um, well, it's gonna be nuclear war time, apparently, Michael. <laughs> um, there's so, uh, our president just today, May 1st, has said so much insane, crazy bullshit, um, that the number one trending topic on Twitter and thus supposedly the number one trending topic on this show is, uh, the American Civil War. Because uh, he did not, or does probably does not understand why it couldn't have all been worked out. Yeah, no, I mean he doesn't know why it happened, or and he thinks that Andrew Jackson was very upset about what was happening during the Civil War. Um, unfortunately, Andrew Jackson died approximately eighteen years before the Civil War started. Sixteen, I believe. Yes. Sixteen. Um, okay. So yeah. yeah um, <laughs> well, I saw a bunch of tweets of like like people trying to explain it away, like. He was clearly trying to, uh, you know, talk about uh, Calhoun and the nullification crisis beforehand, and uh, he doesn't know what tweet. any of those words mean. I saw some tweet like retweeting that guy's comment and just being like, uh, "This is basically trying to like, uh, like imprint emotions on your cat." <laughs> I <laughs> like, think the cat. I think I think actually cats have a better grasp of American history than Donald Trump does. Yeah, definitely a longer institutional. He has no memory. fucking clue who Calhoun is. He doesn't know. He he probably confused Andrew Jackson for Andrew Johnson, who was the president right after Lincoln, and he was like, "Yeah, no, totally nailed it." Yeah, yeah. we're just doing so good. Yeah. Uh, God, yeah, everything about that. And he said some other pretty wild shit, but I don't really care. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that fat idiot. Um, <laughs> until he takes us to war, we're not talking about him. Um, yeah, but Michael, uh, I know we, we wanted to do some updates to a couple stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, one from you. I wanted to, I wanted to just really break down a story from one of the early episodes of this show. Um, I've been waiting for it to come back up. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, previously we had talked about. What happens when technology goes bad? Okay. Um, and I talked specifically about Google Photos, and there's a story about my my puppy Sora had a had a the night where she was having some tremors or seizures, and I recorded it, and then Google Photos made me a nice little video collage of the weekend set to some really energetic music. <laughs> yes. So um, I had some people ask me like if I could share the tune. <laughs> Um, and it, it came back up after a weekend at a, at a festival. So I really just wanted to play everybody this music. It's about 35 seconds. So just strap in, get ready for it. All right. Wait for the, wait for the, for the beat to drop. <laughs> you feeling it? <laughs> I'm feeling, feeling it? I'm feeling it so far. Okay. Now this is just like dog pictures. Okay. Okay, the tremor is not here yet. We're not about to have the seizure. We're still just enjoying some doggies. Yeah, just dog pictures. Okay, now here's the seizure. Yeah. So Google really Google really beefed it on yeah, that one pretty badly. <laughs> or or nailed it. Either way. Yeah. Uh depends on what your your fancy is, I suppose. That actually kind of reminds me. The thing me. is Sora was kind of dancing to the beat, so. <laughs> so I was watching uh I was watching The Expanse, the TV Ooh, show. Yeah. Welcome. I finished I finished season 1, I'm on season 2, but there's yeah, drop, uh, If anyone's listening to this and hasn't seen The Expanse, just drop everything. Go to Amazon Video and watch yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's it's care. it's awesome. Uh but Go watch that show. But there's something that happens on one of the planets where where everyone's infected and uh th- there's like a live feed of sounds coming out of this planet and they turn it into like the hottest music mm-hmm. in the belt, so in to speak. In the belt. Yeah. So yes. and that kind of reminds me of that. It's like, hey, let's let's turn let's turn some tragedy into some dope beats. Emotional suffering into the, just the summer's hottest jams. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was Google. <laughs> They're doing it one one step at a time. Just <laughs> Oh, Google. Yeah, so, I Michael, mean, you it's had, one of you those things update. though where like it's hard it's hard to to like set up the technology to be able to like capture everything. 
But you would think that there would be some kind of filter that's like, hey, if it looks like an animal or person is having a seizure, maybe not put sweet, dope beats behind it. Right. Yeah. If there was any human interaction with the decision to, you know, add dope beats mm. to any video. Yeah. Maybe not. There that. should be a double yeah. check on the dope beat dropping, I believe. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Michael, speaking of double checking, you had a you had a update for a story for, for me. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear yeah, it. Yeah, we talked about the great maple syrup heist of 2012. Well, they finally they finally put the man in jail. Caught his sticky fingers, huh? <laughs> caught, caught him sticky-handed. Richard Vieres. I don't know how to say it. It's French. But oh god! Yeah, he he's uh he's gonna get at least eight years in prison and a nine point four million dollar fine. But finally, your maple syrup is safe again. Thank God. Um, how much how much maple syrup did he actually steal? He stole eighteen point seven million dollars worth of maple syrup. Did he? Well, did he manage to sell all of it, or was it some of it recovered? I'm pretty sure they recovered almost all of it. Again, because we we did talk about this the other week. You can't really fucking sell oil barrels full of yeah. maple syrup and get away There's with it. There's not a lot of people buying barrels full of maple syrup on the black market. I mean, it's, you know, like, you got, you like got there, big maple is on your yeah. back. You can't just do yeah. that. That's, yeah. Like, there's a reason fences will buy diamonds, because they're small and untraceable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, maple syrup. Hey, oh, 18... where'd you get these barrels of maple syrup from? Oh, these 18 tons of maple syrup, where'd you get that? They, well, they my, just fell off a truck, man. Yeah, no bigs. Yeah. Aunt Jemima, Mrs. Butterworth. Aunt Jemima good is shit? not maple syrup, Kush. We've well, I know, Michael. This. I'm saying, but what if they could get their hands on the real stuff That's true. cheap? That's true. And actually sell it to people. Uh, speaking of Aunt Jemima, there was one, one small fact that I did not tell you. We did not get to when we did the maple syrup story. Uh, the original character for Air... Jemima was borrowed from a minstrel show that toured the South in the 19th century, and the original Jemima was a white man in blackface, possibly a German. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Everything about just, that is... <laughs> just in case you were wondering if Aunt Jemima was racist, 100% times a million percent, yes, I mean, she is, I kinda, and always. I kind of knew it was, or she was, or not she was, because, yeah, but... uh I think my real question was Mrs. Buttersworth because I couldn't find anything on that. Even like all of the all of the like early early artwork for commercials for uh, Mrs. Butterworth were just like a bottle. Like there's no ever a human being serving syrup. She's just a literal bottle. I'm just going to assume Robert, that Mrs. Bottle. Butterworth is racist. Think about butter though. Pretty white, right? But I think <laughs> of Mrs. Butterworth and I immediately think of um, what's her name. The, the the person who bakes with just pads of butter and cream cheese. Oh, Paula Dean. Paula Dean. I just imagine Miss literal... Butterworth is just a Paula Dean when she was younger. So she's probably Miss Butterworth has definitely said the N word too many times, and by too many times I mean more than zero. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not at all wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're starting off I'm... this episode real strong, is all. <laughs> yeah, we're I got some hot takes re maple syrup magnates. Um I was gonna introduce possibly the worst segue of all time. Uh and just get say, speaking of people who have probably said the N-word, Fire Festival. <laughs> yep. But yes. I don't think we Who should knew do- it was so easy to trick a bunch of Instagram rich assholes to an island and then just hold them hostage. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Michael. Uh, so, I mean, I want to talk about this a lot, but I also, rise up. right? I, I, I want to talk a lot about this, but I, I also feel like we can't say anything that hasn't already been said by like every like funny blog on the planet yep. and, uh, and Twitter. Yep. So just like broad strokes. Oh my God, Michael, how much do you know about Fire Festival? I know a few things. I know that it was on an island in the Bahamas. It cost like $12,000. And Ja Rule hosted it, and it was supposed to be headlined by Blink-182, which it sounds like a fucking Mad Lib of the worst music festival <laughs> you could come up with. But somehow this is true. Yeah. Oh, wait, so I know much one, more, one more fact I know about this, and that is it, is that Kylie Jenner was paid a quarter million dollars to post about it on Instagram one time. Yeah, it's unreal. So, what, so Kylie Jenner... Uh, 
doubles down on her Pepsi ad fame, which, oh, by the way, Michael, we're going to talk about commercials later, uh, including the Pepsi ad. Did Kylie Jenner bring any Pepsi to Fire Festival? No, no because she was warned not to go ahead of time, just like Blink-182 and uh, Ja Rule and a couple of the other headliners and most of the Fire Festival staff, which led to quite a bit of issues. Um, so this but was ja billed Rule as... Rule and Blink-182 in 2017, like, who the fuck is going to pay $12 for that, let alone $12? thousand dollars well michael are you um are you familiar with like instagram kids just like the rich kids of instagram i've heard a little bit about them they like post all of their possessions and then they get stolen sometimes which is makes me giggle a little bit yeah so that's fun but it's also these kids who just post about their extravagant lifestyles Mm. just you know they have tons of you know they're trust fund kids have a ton of money they just do dumb shit and post it on instagram so this festival is Pretty much targeted directly at them uh, by Mr. Ja Rule and a, uh, a I believe, 25-year-old uh, kind of Silicon Valley douche bro. Uh, who, is it Entertainment 720? It, you know what? It actually is essentially Entertainment <laughs> 720. Um, so this guy had previously, like, uh, his previous big idea when he was 23 was that he would sell a black card, which was essentially... You remember when you were in like middle school and you would sell like discount cards to local restaurants? Like that was oh, part of like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, you get ten dollars off at like TCBY. Uh, Which I, like, you know what? I've come to realize as I've gotten older that um, basically schools were just selling out young children to local businesses. Like we were basically like the Oompa Loompa of like Sizzlers and stuff, trying to get their like drum up business for these places. Yeah, basically, kids were just, like, little slave marketers right. just running around. Right. I shouldn't say slave. Uh, indentured <laughs> marketers running around. Um, it doesn't yeah. seem right to do. Not at all. So, uh, the other guy was named Billy McFarland, I believe. Uh, and Oh, so, Billy. Oh, Billy. <laughs> so, he's one of these guys who's, like, tried to build, like, a career on millennials. And so, um, he had this... Uh, so, by the way... Uh, the car that he originally, it was called, uh, the Magnuses, which is really, but it's not spelled how you think it would be spelled. Um, you had to. The Magnuses? Magnuses was the card. Um, so you had to promise to spend $250,000 a year through the card. It had a $250 annual fee. Um, and had all these perks, but basically it was just a discount card. Um, and like none of the perks that he offered, like, Free Hamilton tickets and like plane rides to the Hamptons. Like none of these were ever author, uh, like followed through on. So guy already has a, a history of just like scamming the shit out of people. Yeah. And here's the thing though. If you're a rich kid of Instagram, isn't the, isn't a discount the exact opposite of what you would want from something? Right. Well, the thing is, so yeah. So that previous, that previous thing failed. Yeah. So uh, you sell $12,000 tickets to go to the Bahamas and see, uh, <laughs> Blink 182. That's the sort of thing, uh, you can get down off your Instagram. Kid. You know, this kind of reminds me, uh, Rachel's school group was supposed to come up with a, just some kind of stupid product as part of some, one of their classes. And one of the product oh, they came up with was a like $500 chocolate bar that like, mm-hmm. If Gold you, flakes. If you bought it, it would also get you like VIP access to like all of these like clubs and stuff. And we're, she was talking about marketing it to basically the rich kids of Instagram. And I was like, you know what? They would probably buy that. And now I'm more than a hundred percent sure. Well, yeah. So now I wonder though if we've all missed our window because Ja Rule fucking blew it for everybody. Mm, true. He, like he went too big too soon. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, like. Yeah, he tried to get on the ground floor, but he was on the express elevator and just like he he blew it up. Yeah, because like yeah, you could definitely sell nine hundred dollar chocolate bars if you put like you know shitty truffles and like some gold flakes on top. Oh, for sure, Instagram kids. For sure. But now I feel like it's gonna be you know once bitten twice shy. I they're don't not think gonna be able so. To spend their I don't money. feel like they're the smartest uh, smartest crayons in the box. So yeah, I do. I do kind of want to um, 
it's pretty cheap to buy ads on Instagram. And so part of this thing was um, they were going to have luxury glamping tents to stay in at, on the island, which was supposed to be a private island owned by Pablo Escobar at one point. <laughs> but it was really just like part of the Sandals Resort resort in uh, and they weren't, they weren't they in like leftover FEMA tents or something? It, it was they were uh, <laughs> they were leftover disaster relief tents from USAID. Um, so I kind of I kind of want to buy ads on Instagram just like to like troll rich kids with just like you know like coleman tents just really getting after them because <laughs> that's a pretty easy buy mm. but that's an easy one to just like really stick it to them but i will say just everything that possibly could go wrong did can go we wrong. just like, advertise trends in low places as a premium podcast that costs like six hundred dollars per episode but ooh. only to the rich kids of instagram do you think our our dumpster logo will <laughs> will detract from our message no of, we'd have uh, to put something we'd have to put like Oh, it's a dumpster full of gold bars. There you go. There Speaking you of go. which, there was supposed to be $100,000 worth of treasure hidden on the island. There was not. There also wasn't food or any infrastructure. That is not for true. I saw a picture with two pieces of bread with two very nice looking pieces of cheese and a salad mm-hmm. with no dressing. Yeah, just pretty much what you want when you when you go. Whatever. I've been to a lot of conferences and sometimes that is the food they hand out. So they can go mm-hmm. fuck themselves. I mean, we we also watched Twenty Four and had we saw their their the labor leaders breakfast. <laughs> it was a Danish and some coffee. Yeah. It was not a. I don't it was even not think they were Danish. To no. be honest, yeah. So Michael, I mean, if you haven't heard about the story, one, open your eyes, but two, like, definitely go check it out. Like, all, all I can say is it is the most. It's such like delicious Schadenfreude, like about like just like how good mm-hmm. it feels to just revel in like. The misery of these people, because especially there was one guy uh, who like some Silicon Valley bro who was like basically uh, on Twitter just like complaining that people like want health care and like, you know, just like, you know, services. And then he went to this fire festival and then was like tweeting at the U.S. Embassy, just like, please help. Call the police. Send everyone. <laughs> yeah, he was like, like, he was like, oh. Your your health and well being isn't our responsibility. And then it's like, oh my god, send the national guard. I'm on I'm stranded <laughs> on an island in the Bahamas. Oh god, like honestly, we could talk about this for like three hours. It's, it's so delicious. Every part of it mm-hmm. is just the tastiest. Yes. Um, but yeah, Michael, we, we got to move on because, like, again, I think we could talk about this forever. But uh, is there anything you want to talk about real quick? If not, I got some stuff. No, no, please go ahead. Okay. I assume you saw the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner. Oh, God, yeah. The, uh, I, Pepsi. <laughs> I actually never watched the full ad. I saw, like, clips of it and the parodies and the memes, um, which was enough for me. Well, moral of the story is that Kendall Jenner solved racism and police brutality with Pepsi. Yes. So yeah. that's good news. That's good all done Good news with. for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I think last Thursday, um, Heineken released an ad that was called, like, The Antidote to that bad Pepsi ad. Yeah, um, I did it, see that ad, and I have. How did thoughts. you feel about it? Because I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. Okay, good. Um, um, everyone was the, like, "Oh, this is how you do an ad about differences yeah. in opinion." And I can I tell say, you before we go before ahead, we start. Yes. I just want to say I appreciate the thought behind the ad, mm, yep. in that yes, people who like have different opinions will say that, like, to themselves or when they think they're anonymous. Yep. And once they are faced with a differing opinion, they can find common, like, common goals and connections, and they can work with each other and even be nice to each yep. other. I thought that was great. It was super duper, but Michael, lay it on me. Here's the thing. If you stand up there and you say to a person on camera that, like, you think that, like, feminism is bad and it's terrible and everyone who claims to be a feminist is just a man hater or you say terrible things about transgender people because you're just saying it to a camera not to a transgender people person and then the thing is is they made it sound like it was a differing opinion and these like an these, equally valid right, opinion it, and it's like, like no it was, the person yeah. the transgender person is just like i'm just a person and i just want to be respected and this person is like there's only two genders and i'm a fucking dick bag and then it's like oh it's on the transgender person to like sit down and have sit a beer down and with have that a person beer. And it's like no i'm yeah. just trying to be myself and the feminist right. was like i'm just trying to get equal rights for women right and that was it was because like the guy's opinion like so one it was like someone who like just thought 
you know, transgender people were like making it up right. or whatever. There was a climate change, you know, denier, which, you know, feel free to do that. I guess we'll all just drown. <laughs> um, and then there's the other guy. He wasn't just saying feminism was bad. Yeah. He literally said that it was a woman's job to have babies. Yes. Yeah. Like, Fuck you, like, like, just say, like, that is not a valid opinion to have. And like, again, I appreciate the message that they were saying. It's like, you know, when we have human interactions and we actually sit down and talk to each other and like do things together, like, yeah, we can like come to agreement or like at least find common ground to build upon. But like to equate those, like the two differing opinions on each of those issues, like as like valid, like fuck that. Like, yeah, okay. It's, they did it better than Pepsi, but. Almost kind of fucking worse here's, than Pepsi. Here's Holy my, shit. Here's my question, though. So they th- showed three different people. How many other takes How many did other they th- different th- takes yeah. where the person was like, yeah, you can go fuck yourself? Or, like, they grabbed the Heineken bottle and smashed it over the bar and threatened to stab somebody in the throat. Because... Right, so we should back up. I, I will say, if anyone hasn't seen the ad, the whole conceit behind it is that they take... Um, either six or eight people, they have them speak, um, you know, anonymously to a camera saying that their beliefs on a certain topic. And then, uh, so it's, you know, three or four people on each side of an issue. And then, uh, basically it's almost like an escape room and they have to like go in together with their different opinion. They don't know each other and they have to work together cooperatively to do a task. And basically they're building a bar and then they like sit down and like have a beer and then, or they, they put a beer on the counter. And then before they can drink the beer, they play each other the video that they recorded previously with their garbage opinion. Uh, and then say, you can either walk away forever or sit down and have a beer and talk about your differences. And like everyone unanimously of the, of the group sits down and has a beer and like mm-hmm. they, they talk to each other, which is well, great. Yeah, I agree. But holy shit, but it's such a damaging thing. ad. Here's the thing is that like we've never, we have this problem in this country where people will be nice to like, uh, like an individual, One person. right? They'll be nice yep. to an individual. It'll be like, oh, I know, I know this gay person and I, love them as a person and they're my friend but i still think that being gay is wrong because of the bible or because of whatever and it's like it, we've never had a problem with like an individual talking to an individual and coming to some sort of agreement that oh you're actually a decent person that that's such a it's such a terrible way to boil it down to say like oh if we just introduce these individuals to other people who think differently then they'll realize the group is is okay and that's not true it's just not true it's been proven that that's not true yeah i mean there's even research that like going door to door to people's homes and like sitting down with them and like like people canvassing neighborhoods and talking to them about like um you know lgbtq issues changes their opinion for up to three months like they're they're more like once you sit and talk to them like if you have a conversation yeah you can change someone's mind but you don't change their like behaviors or actual beliefs you you alter it for a brief moment right but and i think the the more damaging part of this is like equating those two beliefs as equally valid right because one person is saying like this is who i am right and i just want to be treated like a normal person the other person is saying like the person that you are i hate and it's not it would be different if it was like the the person who's anti-feminist was like oh women should be you know they should only have babies and feminist is man-hating and the feminist was saying like i hate all men and anyone who's not a feminist is terrible but it's not the feminist is just saying like i just want women to be treated equally and the feminist is actually attacking or the anti-feminist is attacking that person they wasn't i thought it was actually really each other i thought it was really telling even like in that in the in that interaction in the full ad um when they sit down to have the beer uh she sits down and he gets up or he like just walks away and then does like a whole like turnaround like ah just kidding like i'll (laughs) talk to you and like they winds up having like a it's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give me your phone number. I'll text you. Well, like, that was the trans- my- that was the transgender dude. Okay, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, then we can cut that. Okay, shit. Yeah, there was and it was, it was hard. All very it was weird. hard to tell whether he respected her because of who she was or because he or because she had told him that she was former military before. That's true. Yeah, because it's, yeah, and know. it's like yeah, okay, great. These two people got along, but it. You know what? I guarantee you that it did not change his his mind in the. In, in the holistic view of things. Right. Um, That's, uh, yeah. You know, uh, look, so. they did it better than Pepsi. I, it's a noble goal, but I really hate corporations and products getting 
into this thing. space where it's like, oh, they enjoyed a Heineken by like what what is the point? Yeah, I mean I, I get the I get the point. And and again, like other brands have done it well. Like even like the Budweiser Super Bowl ad, like just you know, showing the fake founding of Anheuser Busch, <laughs> like they did it. Like it was a message that hey, immigrants contribute a lot to this country, right? Like, but they took a you know. they took a stance, right? Exactly. Budweiser took but, a stance that like immigration is not bad, right? The thing about like unless you can like legitimately do it in an authentic way, like like AT and T, like you know, I don't know. Every company has gotten blasted over the last like you know. 15 years, 16 years for doing like 9-11 stuff uh. on social media. Cause it's like, they have no, like they don't have a place in the conversation. Like th- unless you have an authentic reason to be there, which in this case, Anheuser-Busch does like, you know, we were founded by immigrants. We could, we could take a stance on immigration. Great. But like, I don't know when corporations are just going to understand that. Like, unless you have a reason like rooted in your corporate values yes. to take a stance in like a political or like, so like societal, like, discussion just don't right. you're not needed yeah like you know like if, pep- if uh yeah. you know if colt 45 wanted to take a stance on the you know the the gun lobby or first me- or second amendment rights or something all right you belong in that conversation but you know yeah. what if hardy's wants to take a stab at the second amendment you should get the fuck out <laughs> just like really scantily clad women right. just like <laughs> oh my just- god speaking of which have you seen the new hardy's ad uh like the big one site like one i actually really i did see it like the one they're like they're saying like uh, like Carl, Carl comes back yes. and kicks Carl Jr. out <laughs> and is like, stop being like scantily clad women in right. your ads. It's like, yeah, I actually really, enjoyed, I, I liked it. Yeah, no, I like the idea behind it. It was like, sorry, we fucked up. And it, which is, it was actually kind of novel because usually companies don't own up to that shit. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it because it was like, you know, like the older, like yeah. Carl coming back in and being like, this douchebag son's like, you really <laughs> fucked up. I'm sick of your shit. Like, <laughs> Because I there's a number of things I really dislike about Carl's and like Hardy or Carl's Jr. and Hardy's commercials. Like one, the sandwich dropping at the end oh. with like the weird like plop sound. That's it's very so bad. Gross. And then just like the supermodels in bikinis like eating burgers. Like just like no, I don't need that. Like just give me checkers fries. That's all I want. Oh my god, checkers fries are so good. Yeah. All right, Michael, let's move on. What do you got for me? So I have a, I have an interesting question for you. Please. So I've had. Multiple people that I'm friends with, uh, couples, they've planned trips for their significant other on, Mm -hmm. you know, for their birthday or anniversary or whatever. And this is two different, two different couples where this, they were planning a trip for their significant other and they would not tell them where they were going to take them. Mm. And then apparently there is a new service out there. This company. Oh, yes. I've heard of this. Yeah. It's called Pack Up and Go. Where you literally pay them money and you plan and you and you like say like, yeah, I want to take a trip for this many days. You know, these are my restrictions, whatever. And then they plan it for you with flights, hotels, everything. And you don't know where you're going until they just you tell you get what to, to the airport. Yes. Yeah. So my question is, like, how do you feel about that? How would you feel if somebody planned a trip for you without telling you anything other than what to um, pack? Or even if they packed for you in the case of one of my friends. So I will say, I mean, one, I could never do this for a significant other. Like, just, like, one, I just don't trust my own judgment enough to, like, really commit <laughs> to doing that. Um, but two, like, just, like, my current girlfriend, like, just doesn't, like, she hates flying, apparently. Like, so it's mm. not, like, I would, like, I'm not going to commit to, like, I'm going to fly you around the world. Hey! <laughs> um, but Gotta take a boat. I, if someone did it for me... I feel like I would be okay with it because I, um, I don't, I don't really have anxiety. I'm very, very like, e- like easy going as far as trips goes. Like as long as I like know how long I'm going to be gone, I'll probably be fine. And if someone had like cleared me to be away from work, but I will say the one thing I would be freaking out about is my sh- shoe situation uh, because yeah. I do got them big feet <laughs> and, uh, packing appropriate footwear for any trip of any length yeah. is very difficult yeah. for me. So, I would be very curious about that. Well, there's two, so there's two sides of this, right? So there's something to be said for having someone take care of all of the details for you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, people, I, I appreciate that. People pay travel agents. They say, hey, we want to go to, you know, Austria, right? And we want to do something, right? And then the travel agent plans it for them and people pay lots of money for that. Yeah. 
my problem comes in where when I know a vacation's coming up, half of the half of the fun of the vacation is planning, planning it for it or <laughs> yeah. and anticipating it. Like I'm going, you know, me and Rachel are going to Greece at the end of June and like one of my favorite things is just to go online and look at things to do in the places we're going to be in Greece. Like <laughs> and like kind of, you know, just imagine myself in this place and like i feel so, like you're stealing a lot of that away right yeah you're stealing that like the the trip planning which i really appreciate like i like that a lot um i will say there's also like if so i'll throw you a curveball in a minute because uh, i actually know someone who i think knows someone who did this <laughs> um so so there's there's that but uh, i kind of see the flip side like or like a, a outsider's view if like if you were if you live in europe and you did this so, like we're gonna send you to america and like in your head, you're like, oh fuck, I'm gonna go to New York City, right. maybe Chicago, Miami. Yep. And they send you to like bumfuck Missouri <laughs> just for you're seven going days. To Omaha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like corn? Cool. <laughs> Get ready for Iowa. <laughs> like that's the danger zone. Even like if you went to Greece, you're like, if you told this like the service, I want to go to Greece, right. and you're like, oh man, Santorini is gonna be fucking dope as hell. Yeah. And then they send you to like sheep country. <laughs> And you're just like, you're in a house with three sheep and that's it for a week. Like, that's the dark side of the service. I don't appreciate that. Probably the blankets would be very comfortable. Oh, so, so comfy though. Yeah. Um, so here's a wrinkle, Michael. I actually, I'm pretty sure someone was telling me about this and I think they had a friend who did this for their honeymoon. Oh no. They didn't want to plan anything. So they used the service. Just go to to sandals. Surprise me. Right, exactly. Just get an all-inclusive resort. Exactly. See you That's later. what we did for our honeymoon because we didn't want to plan anything. We were just like, we want to sit on the beach and drink. Yeah. Chill with some iguanas. Oh, buddy. For the honeymoon. Yeah. The That's honeymoon. stressful. That's too stressful for me. I couldn't do that. Right. And I. so I don't... I, I think it turned out well. They said they enjoyed themselves, mm-hmm. but... Holy shit, why? Yeah, no. Like, there's already too many things going on during the wedding. That, like, could I mean, go I, wrong. I would not want to worry about that my honeymoon would go wrong. And right, so I, I kind of get it in that I just planned this, like, massive event for, like, the last, like, I don't know, Michael, tell me, three, four months takes to plan for uh, longer? Eight to 12 eight months? months. So, yeah, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, so, like, you just, okay, so just, you know, take the honeymoon out of my hands. I just want to go someplace warm. Let me give me some bathing suit, maybe yeah. a monkey oh, hang on, yeah, on my monkeys. shoulder. Yep. Yeah, and then oops, you're just we airdropped you into the middle of Thailand. Get find your own way out. <laughs> like like survivor, survivor man style. No, naked and afraid naked. style. Just <laughs> you have a bathing suit and a compass and and a pet monkey. We we airdropped a okay. pet monkey. Okay. And actually, you know what? It would be an interesting test of your your very new marriage. Yeah. <laughs> if you get out alive and, you know, you still know what, speaking though, to each other. I would say that probably still, even if you did that, the arguments leading up to for the planning of the wedding would probably still be worse than whatever arguments you would come up with being airdropped <laughs> from the island. You were remarkably calm at your wedding, I remember. No, 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 the wedding is fine. It's leading up to the wedding. And I was talking with someone a couple days ago where they were saying that, like, they the arguments that they had leading up to the wedding and, like, wedding planning was worse than, than anything they had, they had had in their marriage. But they had only been married for, like, a year and a half. And I was like, bitch, I've been married for almost nine years. And still, the most stress I've ever been in our marriage... Like due to our marriage, like something related to our relationship was planning the wedding. Well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's something to look forward to for me. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that. Uh, part of it was because her parents were paying for a lot of it, so we had to like mm. incorporate their wishes and needs into it. You know what? You deal. You deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Speaking of paying for things, Michael. Have you heard about oh Mr. Barack Hussein Obama visiting uh, Wall Street to give a speech? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he got he got paid a pretty penny. He got four hundred ba- grand mm-hmm. for uh, speaking there, and you know what? I couldn't be fucking happier oh, for yeah. that guy. No, I'm like, like pfft, fuck that. Yeah, 
Like, there's such a fucking uproar about it, and I, I gotta be honest, I don't understand it. Even, like, I normally, well, I sometimes like what Elizabeth Warren has to say, and, like, she was shitty, like, I didn't like seeing it, and I was like, uh, why not? The guy saved the fucking economy from Wall Street bankers, the least he can do is get, get some scratch from him on the, on his way out the door. Yeah, I mean, every other president does this, and now all of a sudden, Barack Obama is supposed to be the first president who doesn't take any money for speaking engagements? From Wall Street? Yeah, like, Trevor Noah kind of put it best. He said, he said, oh, okay, every other president is allowed to do this, but now the first black president is not supposed to take money from Wall Street? He said, fuck that, and fuck you. Yeah, there's that, and it's also like, our current sitting president... Is like legitimately like stealing, like stealing money oh, yeah. from the government. Oh, yeah. Like, like what are you fucking talking about? Like, it it costs a million dollars a day to protect his family in his tower. Like, twentieth. I don't give a sh- trip to Mar-a-Lago since he's been president, and it hasn't been twenty weeks. Yeah, it's unfucking real. Like, so it's like I couldn't. Like, I don't know. Like the this is one of the things that really fucking bothers me about like the left. I'm just like. Fuck you. Obama deserves to get fucking paid. I don't give a shit. There are how many presidents left who can actually, like, stand up and give a speech? Three? Right. Um, You are one of three people who has this experience that can give a speech. You should be getting paid 400000 Maybe you know more. And you know what? The problem with, like, corruption in Washington, D.C. does not come after the president leaves the fucking office. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know what? Like, I don't give a shit if, like, every senator had to leave office after, like, 18 years, and then they got to earn as much fucking money talking to Wall Street as they possibly could, as long as they couldn't dictate policy. I'd be fucking fine with that. Like, like, if Trump wants to be a normal fucking president and not just line his pockets for the next four years, then that's fine. If he wants to just then go out on the speaking tour, I don't know what he would say because he doesn't say normal sentences or words or phrases that are intelligible to human ears, but he'd probably make money doing it, which is fine. When you're gone, make as much money as you fucking want to, Trump. Yeah, don't care. Right. Just please stop doing it right right <laughs> just, directly just right now. Oh my god, please. Stop trying please, to line I, your pockets. Oh. <laughs> I did realize I did read a line from a uh, interview. It was like Paul Ryan's like uh tra- like tax advisor or like you know, one of his advisor on like tax policy and stuff uh and he was talking about tax, uh, Trump's tax plan and <laughs> he used the phrase it'd be like dropping money out of helicopters oh. onto Wall Street. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's Paul Ryan's advisor, too. Like, Paul Ryan's guy said that. It's like, oh, cool. Although, to be fair, it's not really a tax plan as much as it is, like, seven bullet points that really mean nothing. I mean, I could write a one-page tax plan. I've done it. (laughs) Like, yeah. We could come up with one right now. Uh, TILP, completely free of taxes. Sweet. Yeah. We did it. Nailed it. Uh, all of all of our expenses, please deduct yeah. and re- refund entirely. <laughs> There's a pretty penny back that's in my a, pocket. That's a great tax plan. Let's submit yeah. that to the government. Yeah, Michael. So we've been talking a little bit about Trump. I want to talk a little bit. We we talked briefly about this earlier before it came out. I watched most of the first episode of the President Show, Comedy Central's new thing. That's like a Trump parody talk, like weird talk show. I was not um, aware of this until I saw a clip of it. Literally like two days ago, we talked briefly about it. Um, yeah, you had mentioned it, it, but I like it completely. I pushed yeah, it down. Yeah, like they got rid mind. of the nightly show with Larry Wilmore yeah. in place of it, and like it's kind of like I watched it and I didn't. I like it was funny. I guess like it, he he. <laughs> there's like a couple clips in it where he just gets really absurdist and surreal with his humor around Trump, and even like he like he puts Trump in these situations where he just like realizes that he's an empty vacuous human being and like like almost forces the moments of introspection that you really hope Donald Trump is having but I know he isn't no so it, like it's kind of funny but it's I come back to this thing where I just I dislike him so much and like I hate everything I've seen him do and like today he said he can't rule out a nuclear war with North Korea oh yeah then they asked him if if he was gonna start a nuclear war and he said I don't know we'll see yeah so like I hear that, and I'm just like, yes, it's funny, like, or it's like, semi-well-done is this, like, impersonation of Donald Trump is, which, 
it's not that great. The only uh, the only clip I saw was where he was sitting on some steps, and then a truck came by, and he was like, "Oh, a truck!" He was like, "Do yeah. do dude." Except, yeah, it, like it's just which yes, it's, it's funny. Fine. Yeah, but it's just like I I don't like Donald Trump at all. I like it, the even the mere fact of seeing parody of him makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Because, like, again, you can barely, you can only parody him by being, like, surrealist and, like, trying to envision him realizing his own absurdity, which I don't think he has the capacity to do. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't, like, the absurdity lies in, like you said, like, it, it, it lies in Trump realizing that he is in over his head. Which he doesn't. So, like, yeah, your parody of Trump is actually more self-aware than Trump himself is, which right is kind of like it's kind of weird to parody something that is more absurd than your satire is, right? And like every every like moment of satire, like SNL has done, like all he does, you can tell it it affects him because he gets upset and like lashes out about it. But you can also definitely tell he doesn't do any introspection. You're like, why are they doing that? Like, it just, it's not funny. Fake news. Fake, fake news. Fake news. And it's actually, it's almost telling, and actually, I can, I can see that maybe this might be effective if like, if this show somehow miraculously catches any traction to be, that it might be effective because, I've heard, like, there's some news stories that the only really effective, like, SNL satire has been when they've shown, like, Steve Bannon as, like, a skeleton, like, almost, like, puppet lording Donald Trump. And, like, apparently that really makes him upset that he's not making his own decisions and, like, Bannon is in control of him, which is hilarious to me because he's a nine-year-old child, but whatever. I mean, I have no doubt that that was what led to Bannon being kind of just marginalized recently yeah. like you haven't heard anything about bannon it's all about jared kushner and, and ivanka now right um yeah which i mean is is slightly better i guess but they're still both completely useless right but michael let me let me hit you with a headline check your slack okay let me see what we have oh somebody's shaving other people's cats <laughs> You you left out the important part. Mystery, Mystery in Virginia. In Virginia. <laughs> someone is shaving other people's cats. Why would someone go around shaving other people's cats? No one knows, Michael, and that's the beauty of it. But um Like full on this, shave job or just like no, we're gonna give no, them like one. Which is like the mohawk. best part. <laughs> Since December, people in our people around Waynesboro, Virginia, a very small town in the Shenandoah Valley. Someone has been taking cats, seven of them to be uh, specific, and precisely shaving their underbellies or legs. <laughs> um, just so all wait, the, just their bellies or their legs, just their tummies or their legs, <laughs> and all the cats have been otherwise returned unharmed. Most of them are wearing collars and are well groomed, and um, no crime has been committed. But the owners would like it to stop. <laughs> That's like and such a, that's just like such just, a random thing that doesn't make any sense. Yep, yeah, it just someone's shaving cat tummies, oh. and this this tickles me kind of like I, I like it a lot because um, my parents' cat is the goddamn devil, <laughs> just a really evil some bitch. But um, maybe about two years ago, she disappeared for about six or seven weeks, and then just like came back in through the dog door. And, um, her stomach was shaved and, um, she had very clearly undergone surgery. Okay. So your cat disappeared, had a major surgery and then came came back. back. Yeah. So one of our neighbors, one of my parents' neighbors has paid for pretty significant surgery (laughs) for my parents' cat. And like the cat disappears often, but like not for this amount of time. So we're convinced that she does have two families. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I like this story even and more. And one family cares about her much more to give her oh, surgery. Yeah. If that cat if that cat drowned in the pool, I wouldn't care. It's a bad cat. <laughs> but I really like this that cuz Michael, I don't know if you've handled a cat before. Um very rarely. They suck. I'm They're allergic very to bad. I'm allergic to cats. So my my exposure to cats is them being in the same room as me, but I try not to 
if I pet them and then then it gets all in my eyes. Fair. Well, I will say like <laughs> the shave jobs on these cats pretty precise. <laughs> like almost like 90 degree right angles on the tummy shaves. Um, if there's one thing I know which, about cats, they don't put up with that shit. They don't enjoy being manhandled. Right. Which which brings me back to, um, so my roommate used to be, he, he is a, an old roommate, was a uh, uh, vet student, a current veterinarian, and he once shared with me an, a, an article from the Gainesville Sun of a, like, massive, like, spay and neuter campaign mm-hmm. in Alachua County, and they have pictures of cats just knocked out cold, but, like, all of them are trussed up on these, like, trays, just asleep, but, like, 20 cats at a time, just, like, <laughs> arms akimbo, uh, just ready to be, like, and it just, like, they must have done that. They must have, like, tied these cats down in such a way that they couldn't fuss, and they could just, like, precision, like, laser hair removal them, because it's impressive. That is a bold move, but at the same time, it's kind of amazing. Like... <laughs> It reminds me of of that Dane Cook bit where he talks about, like, busting in, like, kicking someone's door in, and then just, like, changing light bulbs or something, or, like, <laughs> moving the light around, and it's like, they come home, and they're like, shit, my house is broken into, but the only thing that's changed is that, like, this light bulb is brighter or something. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. right? It's like, it's something that you could do to someone that isn't, like, technically, like, you didn't... I mean, you shave the cat, but you didn't harm it in any way. Right. You didn't really steal anything from anyone. You just confused you made the, the cat shit cooler. out of people. Yeah, it's just one of those things, like, it, it it doesn't harm anybody. Like, it doesn't even harm the cat. Right. They were probably uncomfortable for a little bit. But, Michael, you bring up an interesting point. For some reason, I feel like I've had a lot of conversations about Dane Cook in the last, like, two weeks. Really? Yeah, like, I feel like he's... Undergoing a very quiet but like universal renaissance. Like I've had when Dane Cook I, first came out, he was great. Michael, this is literally the first. This is the conversation I've had probably <laughs> six times in the last two weeks. Like no joke. Like you know what? His first two albums are really, really no, good. And before like, I, he became like a rock star, he was great. <laughs> you, Michael, you just the first. You just said like the universal <laughs> words that I've heard a million times. You're just like. Yeah, like, you know, he's just, like, before he got big, like, he was just so good. His first two albums are great. And then he started stealing jokes and was kind of a douchebag. Yeah. Uh, but, like, they're like, but I still, like, low-key love the first two Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I fucking, yeah, I, I can't argue with it. They're great. Like, uh, the the club in the back of the cement mixer, I'm fully on board right? out. I want to do that. Right? Uh, yeah, no, I, like... Where he talks about the guy getting hit by the car, and he was like... My shoes came off! (laughs) My shoes came off in a fit of joy. Right? Like, I mean, that's funny. That's fucking funny. Fuck shoes. Right. Yeah, no, like, like, universally, I've had the, like, it's been a weird two weeks of (laughs) Dane Cook just always coming back up. Like, I love those first two albums. I still love them. I can't tell anybody because of his last two or three albums. I can't. I can't discuss Dane Cook. Yeah, is- I mean, he got he got kind of co opted by the by the, like the broy like fraternity yeah. kind of guys, and and ever since then it was like ah, it's over. Yeah, can't like Dane um, Cook anymore. I kind of feel like Daniel Tosh kind of kind of took the same path. But Tosh is still kicking on. He's got a show still. He's I, got the show, Tosh- but it's 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 a little like you can only say sexist things so many ways that are actually funny before you're just yeah. like okay that's a bit much yeah tosh was one of those guys who i actually i saw him before he got his show mm-hmm. at like the palm beach improv and he he did some of the funniest stand-up i've ever heard in my life yeah. like and i've actually never heard him use the the jokes that he said that night again which is kind of like everything i've heard from him since has been like stuff he said on his specials or even on his show like and like this was one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard in my life. And he's never done it again. And it was right before he got a show. And then I saw him again, maybe a year and a half after he got a show. And this is my fault for seeing him in Jacksonville. Mm. But like, mm-hmm. it was such a douche-tastic crowd. Like, you could tell he didn't even like doing it. Like, he yeah. was telling his jokes and was getting mad at the crowd for like, they were yelling like, this was after like season two of Tosh.0. They were just yelling deep V at him oh, after every God. fucking joke. And just like, oh, like, it, like you could tell he hated himself for it, yeah, which I'm sure sucks. You know, that's the problem with comedians is that like at some point you become too famous, which is weird. Yeah, <laughs> but like for like Jerry Seinfeld, uh, like you know, 
he gets too famous to tell jokes to like like smart people. <laughs> Daniel Tosh gets too famous to tell jokes to fucking frat boy idiots. <laughs> like Steve Martin does have the, the issue of someone yelling like, "Well, oh, like jackets." <laughs> <laughs> like Steve I was, Martin can't tell me about how you're born a poor black boy, Steve. <laughs> like Steve Martin doesn't go out and do like the shows and can't do like a joke because everyone just laughs instinctively. Yeah, uh, you know. Daniel Tosh was like, "Oh God, I got to talk to these morons again." Yeah, I saw him in Columbia, South Carolina, which was great because he has a a lot of inappropriate jokes that people were groaning about, and he's like, "Loosen up, Bible Belt." You know, which is which is pretty good. <laughs> That's good times. Well, Michael, we're coming up on the time. Uh, you got a last you got a last story for me. I got a great story for you, Kush. It, is it number eight on our list? Because I really hope it is. Oh no, it's not number eight. But I could go with number eight instead and save. No, dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. <laughs> How much time do we have? We got about ten minutes. All right, I'm gonna give you the choice. So we can either do number eight. No more front bottoms and wee-wees. I like that. I like it. Or I can tell you about the insane feud between a vegan strip club and the steakhouse next door. Michael, you know which one I want to hear. (laughs) Don't even. Come on. It's not even. That's not even. Please. I'm offended you had to ask. So there is. This can only happen in one place. Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. So there is a vegan strip club. That what does that mean? <laughs> well, they they're uh they like to say that they're you know also a world renowned vegan restaurant in addition to a strip club. How much work does that take? <laughs> well, next to it is the steakhouse, which is also a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's like in Tampa where Mons Venus and two thousand one are right yeah, across the street from each other, but. So apparently both these places started out as restaurants. So the steakhouse, oh, sure. the steakhouse has been there for a while. They the the guy has Wait, a they, farm. They grew into the strip yes. club business. They they had this guy has a farm where he grows like ten percent of the steak that he sells at the steakhouse on it's his farm. farm. It's a farm to table strip. club. It is a farm to table strip club. Okay, well Portland's got to love that sustainability. Yeah, but so there was a vegan strip club that existed for a while called. Well, it was actually a vegan restaurant, but the recession hit. Yeah. And yeah, it hit it hit us all hard. Exactly. And so, you know, th- people were not going to these restaurants very often and and even in Portland the vegan restaurant just wasn't doing very well um because yeah. of where it was. It was it was in an area that was not necessarily like your your typical like hippie v- or uh, Portland neighborhood. It was more of like, oh, they'd get you know, it was more of a strip club kind of neighborhood. <laughs> a little off the main drag, maybe. Yes. So basically, he was he was losing money. His building was going into foreclosure, and he's like, "This neighborhood is mostly guys. What can I do to get guys to come in and eat vegan food?" So he put up a stage. This is this is a quote, by the way, from the article. This is a this is a um. Where they interviewed both of these people about this feud. And so this is a quote from this guy. He says, what do I have to get guys to come in here and eat? So I put up a stage and I got some boobs up there. <laughs> God. Oh, God. <laughs> and you know Ugh. what they say now? They say, this is some of the best food I've ever had. It's the happiest place on earth. It's Disneyland with tits. Oh, I don't like any of that. Ugh. So he named least- his restaurant or he named his restaurant come Strip Club. Call. Wait, just come. Wait. No, sorry. <laughs> oh, it, it's pronounced "coom," not "come." You asshole. God. In the in the purpose of this story, I think I was right. Uh, uh, it's called well, Casa, yeah. Casa de Ablo. Oh, you know what, Michael? I got a story. I once tried to sneak so that the, whoever wrote that story using "coom" c u m in in terms of also known as. Um, I tried to sneak that into a, uh, article in my reporting class one time, f- thinking I was being all classy mm-hmm, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my, uh, teacher circled it and was like, just write AKA or nothing, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> People don't know what this means. <laughs> yeah. So 
this guy opened this this Casa Diablo as a strip club, and then he wanted to expand, and so he opened uh, from dusk till dawn Casa Diablo two, and he opened sure. it in an empty building that was right next to the Acropolis. You know what he should have called it? From dusk till dong, and it should have uh, been a male strip club. Because I guarantee you, some vegan ladies out in Portland would have liked to see some free-range cock. Well, you know, he opened Michael, it. Michael, free-range cock! That's pretty Come good. On. That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, you didn't react at all. I was looking right <laughs> at your face. You didn't even you didn't laugh. <laughs> Apparently, though, Oregon, and specifically Portland are mm-hmm. very popular for strip clubs because Oregon allows two-way contact between customers and fully nude dancers, along with hard liquor sales. Okay. Um, yeah. Which means that they give the, according to Tori, the stripper at Casa Diablo and Dusk Till Dawn, Casa Diablo 2, she says, we give better private dances than anyone else in town. People come from all over to try the food, too. Try so, the food, too. too. Yeah. So... You know what? This is maybe this is just like a pride and identity thing. Mm-hmm. If I had a vegan restaurant mm-hmm. and I was really fucking proud of the food that I was offering in Portland, Oregon, like I thought it was worthy to bring the crowds in, and then I was, you know, hard times hit me, and I just had to like reinvent myself to be like, okay, you know what? We're gonna get we're gonna get ladies up in here, mm-hmm. get some get some boobs flopping around, um, and then they're just like, oh, I love these girls. Oh, the food's okay, too. <laughs> Wouldn't that kill you inside? That's a road you can't walk back down. Like, you can start another vegan restaurant. Right. But now that you've owned a vegan restaurant strip club, your food ain't shit. You're just a strip club owner. <laughs> <laughs> like, that man That man once had pride in his craft, and now he's just a peddler of sex and smut. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, it's you know, he says, recession hit in 20, 2007. Sales went down. I watched restaurants go out of business. Some have been there for 20 years. So I tell my girlfriend at the time, I think I'm going to, or I think the only thing that's going to work in this industrial area is a strip club because that's 90% men. Her response was, oh, hell no. She said, it's either me or the strip club. So I said, bye. (laughs) (laughs) So... Jesus. So I've always had this like weird like image in my mind that like, because I have a dog, I've had it for 10 years, uh, you know, and I've always like, I haven't dated too much since I've had her, but I had this image where like, if some girl was going to be like, it's either me or Sora, (laughs) like me or the dog. And and my response would definitely be like, okay, well, bye. Yeah, right. No, it's me or the strip club. It's me or the strip club that you haven't even created yet. Just the idea that you had. And it's like, no. Peace out, lady. Yeah, no, it's been really, yeah. really nice. I uh, hope you find some granola somewhere in Portland. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, that's... We haven't even touched on the steak... Like, why did the steakhouse become a strip club? Just just to compete with the vegan no, place no, next they were, door? No, no, they became a strip club before then. <laughs> but... <laughs> So they were already a strip club, but they started out with steak as well. But, like, apparently their steak is, like, pretty good. And, like, so the people will go to... Well, again, they started as a steakhouse. That man once had pride in his craft. No joke, though. People will go over to the steakhouse slash strip club and eat the steak bites and then go to the vegan strip club because they have better girls. That's atrocious. Oh, my God. So, So, listen, it's not even the best part. The steakhouse, because they were tired of people, they claimed that the other, the vegan uh, strip club was just nothing but a whorehouse and they were creating trouble. They put up a fence between them and the vegan steakhouse. So they put up a border wall. (laughs) They put up a border wall between them and the vegan steakhouse to try and keep people out and hired security guards to keep an eye on it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Michael. Oh, okay. None of that is great. (laughs) Wait. Apparently, the steakhouse has a $2 salad bar, too, and they're very proud of it. (laughs) One of the ladies, one of the ladies says, though, that the vegan, the vegan strip club slash vegan restaurant is spotless. You can eat off the floor. So there's that. But why the fuck would you? Holy shit. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah okay michael that's man okay i i like the turf war that's going on there a lot 
I like that two entrepreneurs have found a way to Wait, there, to there's survive. some customer feedback. Oh, good. Do we have reviews? Yeah. I, customer me, feedback. Google reviews. Acropolis is a destination spot. They're famously farm to strip club table. Their strippers are a little bit more seasoned. Gross. So gross. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Molly, Molly uh, she says, the strippers at Casa Diablo are punk rock and grunge, which I like. It's cool and different. I can appreciate a beautiful woman, but their shows with dildos and sex acts are too raunchy for me. Yeah, I get that. I see that. <laughs> Nate says, Casa dancers have a higher level of skill and freakiness, and the chicks have a wide knowledge of art. But a crop is, like, historical. Plus, there's a weed dispensary across the street. <laughs> Only thing is, I'm nervous I'll run into my dad there someday. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> Michael, I do want to read you one review from uh, Dusk Till Dawn, Casa Diablo 2. Ooh. Yes, from a year ago. Two stars. Bartender was a major bitch, comma. All I wanted was a cider beer recommendation. Will not return, three exclamation points. So they went to a vegan strip club. For a cider. For a cider beer. Yep. And they did They did not get they it. They did not get it, and they will never go back. They'll never go back. Never. No. Yeah. Good God. So uh, I almost forgot to tell you the best part of the story. Go on, please. Which is what... Which is what Mr. Johnny Diablo Zuckle Wait, uh, that, says about the, his... <laughs> this is the owner of the vegan strip club? Yes, Casa okay. Diablo. Okay. He's Johnny Diablo Zuckle. Uh, he sounds like... A, like This guy was never a vegan like, <laughs> restaurant owner. He was always a strip club owner. He just didn't know it yet. He says, quote, he puts meat on the pole, not the plate. Unquote. Oh, it's so gross. Oh, I don't like that at all. Right? Oh, yeah. this is a bad person. You know, you yeah. always think about vegans having these high and mighty ideals, and then they go ahead and say yeah. shit like that. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, you're just a garbage person from a from a dumpster. Okay. Please go back Apparently and live. Apparently they, uh, they got protested when they first opened up, and like all these old ladies showed up to protest them, and they, they gathered 50 dancers to counter-protest with signs that said, spread your love and your legs. Okay, that's- and vixens, li- not veal. Sizzle, not steak. Okay, well, the the signs are whatever. That's actually pretty <laughs> legitimately funny. <laughs> like, just the idea of, like, 50 strippers facing off with 50 old ladies just in, like, a dance battle. I I'm, I'm pretty into it. That's pretty, that's pretty funny. I know. I kind of wish there was video of this. And it's also like, yeah, I don't, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do kind of wish there was just, like, like a, a snap battle, like, you know. Uh, West Side Story style, <laughs> just old ladies versus uh, young strippers. <laughs> we put meat on the plate, or sorry, meat on the pole, oh, not on the plate. Don't say it again. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a new, okay. We, we need a sweet <laughs> slogan for trends in low places, something that does not involve meat on anything. <laughs> well, maybe some meat on stuff. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I do like, though, I searched from dust till uh, dust to dawn Portland, and uh, Google gave me both Dust Till Dawn, Casa Diablo 2 in the, uh, you know, the places on the right. But then also 5.24 a.m. is dusk and 8.51 p.m. is, oh, is, uh, well, that's sorry, nice. is, is dusk. Yeah. So that was nice. Google really being kind of covering all their bases. Hey, hey, Kush, remember last episode when you told me that the way to keep uh, parasites from swimming up your pee hole was to spin in a circle while you pee anywhere? As fast as you possibly yeah. can. Um, I think that somebody might have listened to this episode and taken the to heart. Yeah, let the circle always be broken. Because somebody urinated all over everyone at the Permanente Brothers in State College. So, uh, can I say this? Permanente Brothers is shit and deserves to be peed on. I don't get it. That was one of the worst. I went to Pittsburgh for three days. Nothing was open except for Permanente Brothers for one hour. And it was one of the worst sandwiches I've ever had. Sorry if we have one listener. (laughs) Apparently, uh, the man urinated on a person who was waiting in line at the urinal and then entered an occupied stall and urinated on that person, too. So... Oh, <laughs> I thought it was bad. I, at work today, I, I walked into a uh, stall and there was pee all over the seat. Oh, a grown, a, gr- a grown human man peed all over the seat of a like sit down toilet. What are you fucking doing? Yeah, like seriously, like just pee in a urinal or lift up the goddamn seat like a human fucking being. 
or or sit if you're if you have that much problem like if you have any problems with it just sit down or like go outside and pee in a bush i don't care uh, fuck, you get arrested fuck. you're a bad human yeah anyway michael i think that's gonna do it for us on trends and low places for this week um if you like this episode you can find more of them at uh trends and low places.podbean.com or goodbuddymedia.com um i promise i will eventually restart posting blog posts for these uh, we have some pretty good stuff a lot of show notes michael shared a post on facebook of our uh 82 year old dj uh last God, week she's such a badass She's pretty fucking fly. Like, yeah. I want to be that cool yeah. uh, when I'm 82. Uh, Michael, how else can people help us out? Uh, well, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes. Um, if you do find us on iTunes, please rate us. Uh, leave a review if you can. Um, ratings are, are kind of the best way to get up the, the leaderboard, so to speak, at, at iTunes or all the podcast apps so that we show up in front of other people who aren't just uh, either related to us or know us from college. So um, you can also share our posts on uh, Twitter or Facebook, uh, Trends in Low Places, or at TILPCast, or when me and Mike um, inevitably post about this show. Um, yeah, I thank you to the seven people who have given us a five-star review on, on iTunes. That's very, very nice of you. Yeah, please please do help us out. It, like, it, it helps immensely, and... <laughs> We're trying to do this for for real, so uh, yeah. Just uh, if you can, give us a shout, give us a give us some love, and uh, please share us with your friends. We would greatly appreciate it. So, Michael, it's been lovely talking with you once again. Can't wait till next week. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Toodles. That was a good one. I liked it. 